don't know if this is TMI or not. No, it is. It absolutely is. But I'm going to say it anyway because it's been on my mind and it's interesting to me. But yeah, it, it might be oversharing. So I've been drinking a gallon and a half of water for the last month. And no, like a gallon and a half of water a day for the last month. And about a week and a half ago, I started noticing some changes in my body. And quite a few actually, but one of them in particular caught my eye. And it I, I don't know if there's a correlation or if I'm just having a good week, but my penis feels bigger. It looks bigger. And this has been going on for a week where I'm looking at it, like I'm going pee, I'm looking at it. And I'm just like, you're still not where it usually is. Like sometimes I can have a good dick day or just for some reason today, my penis is just larger. But I'm having a good dick week that never happens. Relative to my previous size, it's not longer, but it's girthier. And I, I, I've heard my friend mentioned some celebrities will go like 24 hours without drinking water before a photo shoot because water makes you look puffy. So maybe I just got puff dick. Maybe that's what that is. But I feel like if that's the case, wouldn't I be puffy in other areas like my face or my arms? I don't think I am. But I don't I don't pay enough attention to those areas. I mean, if there's a change in my dick, that's you that, that's going to like get your attention. Um it I, I don't know if there's a science behind this, so I don't want to. I don't want to say that it's bigger. Maybe I'm just more delusional. Maybe I'm happy. Maybe like when I'm happier, my dick is perceived bigger. You know, like, or, you know, or like as you develop more confidence or something, you look in the mirror and you feel more attractive. You look at your dick and it just feels bigger. Maybe it's something like that. Um, there's got to be something to it, though. Like, Because drinking water, a gallon and a half a day, which I don't know if that's even a lot. I mean, I'm peeing all the time. I guess it's a lot. Like, It's more than the average person is consuming, for sure. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if that's a whole lot for your body. Like, you could probably take in way more and be fine. But <clears throat> I, I'm not as, it's not my area of interest. So I don't know a whole lot about this. But my dick feels bigger. I just, I, every time I go pee, it's like, it just plops out. And it's like, okay, all right. I'm not going to dive too deep into it. I, I Googled it. I've Googled in his water, drinking more water to make your dick bang, yada, yada. 
And some people are saying the same thing, but like it's all anecdotal. I, I haven't read a paper on it. Because I feel like that would be something you would hear about. If you're a dude, dudes are always trying to look for some way to gain an inch or even a centimeter. So if, if, if that was the case, you would hear about it, I feel like. People do all sorts of weird shit to make their penis look bigger. Not me. Um, like, I don't know if a penis pump is meant to make it look bigger in the moment or if it's something that you do just every day as a practice and it, it's over time keeps your dick big. I, I, don't, I don't know how a penis pump works because I've never used one. But there's like certain things you can. So there's this thing called a jaws or size that works out your jaw because there's not really anything you do in your daily life that really works out your jaw other than chewing or fellatio. But, but it's not enough to make much of a difference. Apparently, apparently like these days, the food we eat has become softer compared to the food that our ancestors ate like 20,000 years ago or 100,000 years ago. And because of that, our mouths are shrinking, allegedly. And it kind of makes sense. I've, I've always felt like I had a small mouth. My jaw is okay, but my mouth always felt small. I don't know if those correlate or what, but um, I was thinking about getting a jaw exercise. And it's just something, it's like a, it's like a mouth, it's like a ball, basically. And you just uh, bite down on it, like back and forth, like one, two, one, like just, you know, working your jaw out. And you do it for like 10, 20 minutes a day for two to three months. And you're supposed to have a, a nicer jawline and more and a nice chomp. Um, the jawline is noticeable, though. I have seen like before and after photos of people who use it. And it's not the biggest difference in the world, but it you definitely do see difference like their jaw has a thickness to it that uh, before photo doesn't. So, yeah. I like, I'm, lately I've been really interested in life science. Uh, books that go over just basic everyday things, such as your jawline or the way you breathe or walk. Uh, I've been getting really into breath work. I've sort of always been in it since I read Breath by James Nestor back in 2021. The beginning of 2021, I think, is when I first read it. But ever since then, uh, I have applied breathing ways of breathing to my everyday life such as keeping your mouth closed as much as you can like breathe from your 
nasal passage as much as possible. And go to sleep. Try to have your mouth closed. If you can't have your mouth closed, get some tape. And go to sleep with some tape over your mouth. Keep your mouth closed until you're in the habit of not sleeping with your mouth open. Because the more you mouth breathe, your jawline disappears. Your face becomes longer. Like, it takes more of an oval shape. And your teeth become crooked. And your breath starts to smell more. And your sleep turns the shit. So there's a lot of things that possibly suck about your face and your sleeping that could easily be adjusted, corrected with nasal breathing. Some of you are probably a lost cause, but I'm sure there's some of you who could use a little facial reconstruction um, and have it pan out for you. I don't know if I mentioned I'm, I'm getting high right now. Um, I don't, I feel like the way I'm talking right now feels nervous. Like, I don't feel nervous, but my, the way I'm projecting my voice usually is the same way I do it when I'm nervous. So maybe I am a little nervous right now. Maybe because I, I don't really record that often and I'm sort of like, all right, I got to get a podcast out. So, because now I'm doing that weekly scheduling thing. But, like, I talk more into my throat when I'm nervous. And it becomes harder to even try to talk from the gut. So, it could be the way I'm sitting. I don't know. Maybe if I adjust myself. You know, that actually kind of helped. Maybe my neck was just like, just too bent over, touching my chest, not allowing airway. I've always been a quiet guy. Like, not just with lack of words, but also my volume. I've always been, like, physically quiet. Um, I don't know how to help it either. Because sometimes I try to have a conversation with in, with it being in mind that I need to project more. But it never it never pans out because the feedback is still, yeah, you, you're pretty quiet. And, I look, and now I'm just like, okay, I think that's just me. I think it's not, I don't know how much of it could derive from shyness or social anxiety, but I think a lot of it is just my voice and... But I also don't talk much to begin with. So there's, there's, there's factors, you know. I definitely do have social anxiety. Not as much as I once did. I think a lot of it comes from the pressure of people hoping you talk more. Or to like not receive that feedback that you don't talk enough. <clears throat> so me trying <clears throat> to talk more makes it more difficult to talk more. Because 
that's all I'm thinking about, kind of. So I'm putting the pressure on myself by putting in an effort. This this wasn't always the issue. I was actually thinking about this today. And thinking back, there's like a specific time I can think back on where me being deliberately quiet started becoming a thing. This was sometime in middle school. And I was always there. I feel like there was a point where I talked a lot. But there, but then as I started getting older, I started to not like being around certain kids. You know, like when I'm in fifth or sixth grade, I started to associate less with just kids and started to be more picky with who I hung out with. And there's this one kid that I was being friendly with. And I was, you know, just letting him, I don't know, just engaging with him, how I always did before then. And I started realizing I was getting annoyed by him. And every time I would engage with him, he would keep talking to me. And I would go walk to a different part of the room, and he would follow me and still keep talking. So my solution was stop engaging <laughs> stop um making him feel that he should say more so like it got to the point where he would ask it went from he would ask a question and i would give him a full sentence a full detailed sentence of, for his question but it ended with me just going yes or no or I don't know. I feel like that's where a lot of this started. I could, it, it was a, like I remember it because to me in my head at the time, it was a big moment for me because it was a new strategy I had with communicating to the world. And if for someone I didn't want to talk to me, I would not be so engaging when they would ask me questions. And it worked, but it it seeped over into the people that I, I do tend to like. And, uh, you know, I, I made it a bad habit. And now it's just me. I don't, it's not all of this, but I know that has to have some factor. Has to have contributed somehow. Um, also, I, 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 I do remember being a pretty shy kid. I do remember it took me a while to grow on people. Like if, if, if I met one of my brother's friends, my older, you know, I had my, I had four older brothers. So they, there was always like people older than me, but I was always shy with any of them. Or like my mom's friends or my dad's friends, I would sort of, I do something that a lot of young kids do is like hide behind their mom's skirt. And if they ask me a question, I just dig my head into her leg or something. Um, so I was, I was one of those types of kids. And so I'm sure that plays a part as well. 
Um, yeah, there's a lot. Stuff that isn't worth overthinking about. But it, it it's not necessarily worth it, but it's just fun for me. It's fun to analyze how I possibly became the person I am today. Could all be bullshit. That's why I always, I don't, like whatever I'm saying to myself right now, I'm not necessarily concluding that that's the, the answer, but I like to just humor it and try to find connections with it. It's fun. It's, uh, it's good. I don't do it enough anymore. Um, I don't know. Everyone has different perspectives on that. Um, some people deliberately don't like to analyze things where they're like content with not going into it. And I know they're content with it because that's their argument. Like some, sometimes things are just, they're just what they are type of thing. And yeah, more power to you. Maybe you're better off thinking that. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of things that I believe that if I believe them or like there's things I believe that if you believe certain things that aren't necessarily based with reality, you're, you're still probably better off being less in the real world. You know, like for example, religion, believing there's a higher power, believing everything has meaning. Like in my head, that's probably not true. I think what, I think the real, the, in my head, what I believe is that nothing has meaning. But if I did believe everything had meaning, I would probably be better off in life. It's, you know, like delusion. You, you know, uh, ignorance is bliss, that saying. There's a lot of truth to it. Um, I uh, There's a lot of things that I think of about that. Or like that person, like, I don't think that's true. I don't think we get reincarnated or whatever. Or there's a, there's a, some of them where you're probably worse off, to be honest, like Zodiac signs. I don't, I don't know how that helps in your life at all. Well, the thing is, like, oh, God, it's so stupid. I don't even want to get into it. It's just it's so dumb. It, it, like, I'm sure there's some people who believe in it that are listening, so I don't want to be mean. But it's, you can, if you just, like, read any critique on it and the explanation you get is in my head it just makes like of course it's not like 
I guess I should explain. Oh, got 10 minutes left. Um, you can have some guy say the most vague shit. Like, oh, I wish I could think of an example right now. Where you have a rent coming up. That's probably too stupid, but maybe it makes my point. Like, he says something... They say something vague enough to where anyone could probably agree with it. If you took a Virgo and a fucking Capricorn and took their astrological signs, whatever they are, uh, Virgos are more mild-tempered. But occasionally, they know how to lose it or to be more zen. You know, they just give you all the answers. Basically, all all the types. Like, of course, I'm occasionally angry. Of course, I'm occasionally more relaxed. Um, and then a Capricorn, are, they're competitive. But sometimes they know when to back down. And other times, they know when it needs to get serious. You know. And the Capricorn would be like, oh, that's so me. And the Virgo would be like, yep, I, I'd say, yeah. I'd say so. And then, but then you just, you can just switch their definitions. Have the Virgo or have the Capricorn be the more mild tempered person. And the, the Virgo is uh, competitive and they'll just, they'll, they'll be like, yep, oh, yep, that, that's me. That's, that's why Zodiac signs are stupid. I, I, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to say they're stupid. I, that's People that I respect and like do believe in zodiac signs, and I don't, I don't want to yuck their yum. But, um, but that I, I can't get into that. No, it it's manipulating. But I'm curious. I mean, it kind of helps to if you believe you're supposed to be a certain way. But just based off of when you were born, it, I think it, it can condition certain people to just behave that way. Like if you're told you're confident and, and you, uh, you have a good aura or whatever the fuck, uh, that's enough for some people to be like, yeah, I am confident. I do have a good aura. And they, then they just naturally develop more confidence because of it so maybe you're better off um i don't know if that's the case for all zodiac people but i'm sure it is the case for some of them i don't doubt it so yeah there's there's those beliefs it delusions can help you advance in life it's like constructive narcissism there is destructive narcissism. I was thinking about this the other day too, like to be selfish. Like there's positive forms of selfishness, but but we're all emphasized on the, the negative forms. And I was I was more focused on like the differences, like what makes someone positively selfish or what makes someone negatively selfish. And if the answer to that should be um, 
negative selfishness, selfishness is basically when someone does something for themselves that also hurts other people. I think that is negative selfishness. And then positive is obviously the opposite, where the only gains uh and the only gains are coming are you're you're the only one having any experience in this progression or degression so your gains aren't someone else's losses or you didn't cheat somebody so now they're worse off because of it so any gain that you have just comes from your own self-development that's positive selfishness like me time you focusing on you that's self-growth self-help whatever that's positive selfishness where was i going with this oh yeah i was just was something i was thinking about oh yeah i was thinking about delusional or constructive narcissism and so it's i guess pretty much the same thing but yeah like to, like to think if you get in a car crash, this is what I call, it's definitely narcissistic in a lot of ways. I don't, I'm not quite sure if it's constructive narcissism though. Let's say, let's say you get in a car crash and you come out scot-free. There's, there's no, nothing on you, no bumps or bruises or bloody noses. And you thank God for that. Not only do you thank God you you you're convinced like he was looking out for you that day he prevented you from dying god was looking out for you and i i hear that a lot but what about the other fucking guy who just died in that crash or like the rest of the world who get in car crashes and end up dying was i, I this is like in your head, are you more special than them? Well, that was just the plan. It wasn't my time yet. It wasn't part of the plan. No, I, I think, I think you, it feels egotistical to think God picks favorites and you're one of his favorites. Um, but like people feel good because of that. They thank God. They're grateful. And maybe because of this incident that you just had, where you didn't die in this car crash, but you so easily could have, because you thank God, because you're so grateful, you, you, you stop taking life for granted. You, But this doesn't have to come from God. You can, you can also just be grateful you didn't die and realize how easily death can occur so you you take life less for granted after that like that does not have to be a, a spiritual situation so but maybe it's more effective if it's spiritual you know what i don't think it is i don't think it is because because when you don't have a belief in a god i i tend to think there's more fear of death um, <laughs> because there's not, there's not that promise of going to a better place. There, there, it's not there. 
And because of that, I think people who don't think there's going to be a heaven or a hell, they have more reason to take advantage of the one life they have. So it puts them in a state of mind to actually do things that matter to them in this world. It's not all people, but I feel like, and maybe that's not true either. I don't know. Because religious people statistically do live longer and they're happier. A lot of that doesn't really come from God per se. I would say it mostly comes from like community and the people you associate with just healthy socialization. Um, secular people don't get that. I mean, they can, they can join groups, but I don't know how easy it is to make it so tight knit, like how it is going to church every Sunday and everyone's just having lunch afterwards. Oh man, I got to, I got to switch over to a new recording, so I'm going to stop, but I feel like I'm, I can still keep going, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch over real quick. Just give me one second. But yeah. Um, ah, shit. What was I saying? No. No. And I was pretending as if I knew where I, where I took off. Like, but yeah, as I was saying, um, something to do. Religious people live longer, and I I'm so I'm having a thought exercise. I'm trying to think. Do, does a near death experience give more life to an atheist over a Christian or Muslim or Jew? Um. Like, does the atheist feel they have more reason to live? Or, like, I shouldn't say that. Uh, that they have been taking life for granted, basically. Do they, do, does that hit, does that thought occur to them more after having a near-death experience? Because in our head, when you're dead, you're dead. And by the way, I don't consider myself an atheist. I would consider myself agnostic, but no, I don't believe in God. But it's, I think I've had, I've explained this before. I'm going to say, I don't believe in Santa Claus. That doesn't make me like a Santa atheist. I mean, I can't prove Santa isn't real. So I'm by definition, I'm, I'm, I'm agnostic, um, but I don't believe in Santa Claus. Same thing with God for me. Uh, and I, I know a lot of Christian people like to, to argue, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before. I feel like I can, my muscle memory is coming back, um, where a Christian would say, oh, like when an atheist has a near death, near death experience, like they're going to become religious. Like that, that's their that's them getting their life back by believing back in God. And I would say, you might be right. <laughs> you might be right. Because 
religion, like, so to be an atheist, that requires logic. To be religious requires emotion. But humans are mostly emotional, which why it makes more sense that more people believe in God. I am too. I like I'm an emotional person. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying. So the point I'm I'm about to make is. Whenever you have a near death experience, that's a hyper emotional feeling. You're going to feel a lot of things. I imagine I I've never had one, but everyone I talk to, you know, I feel like I'm describing it pretty well. But. Because of that, that, I don't doubt that it would make someone religious, particularly an atheist. Um, and it happens. People do find God after almost dying. But that doesn't mean that they're right. That doesn't mean they found the truth. This is like where I step in with this argument. Is My counter to that is, yeah, they might come religious. I I don't doubt it, um, but it still doesn't make them correct. Like I don't doubt if I was in a plane crash that as a last ditch effort would start praying uh, before it crashed, just you know, j just in case get, you know, cross those T's or whatever they the thing is. Um, that doesn't mean I'm correct. It just means I I want to live. So what can I do to continue to live? Oh, I can go to heaven. I can go to that better place. That that to me that's a survival mechanism when an atheist becomes religious again. That is an attempt to live longer. I'm pretty sure that's all that is. So no matter how much they find God, they're still, they're still not correct in my head. Um, but that doesn't mean, so like, there's like that one quote, like, atheists just think they're atheists or something, or something, I don't know. A lot of that is true. Like, in the way they're describing it, sure. Like, maybe we actually do, like, we do believe, like, like there, there's a times in my life, I'll admit to this, where, where because something happened, I, I thought it, like, in my head, I'm behaving as if it's karma. Like, this is good karma for me, or this is bad karma. Like, very deep in my brain, that thought is taking place. And I can't ignore it. It doesn't mean I'm correct. It doesn't mean I actually logically believe in karma. But there's a piece of me that, like, it's still there. And there's just, I think that's in everyone. Like, there is a chunk of religiosity that is just natural to your being. And you can't help it doesn't matter how logical you think you are. There's that piece of, like, illogical thinking. 
I mean, let's be honest. Uh, it doesn't require logic to be religious. It's all faith-based. That's a highly emotional thing to think. But it's not bad. I'm not, it's not negative or positive. It's just that's what that is. Um, where's I going with this? But I do think humans, as a default, you just have that. You can't help but to just have that little, what some might call a soul in you. And it's okay. And sometimes you're going to give into it. You're never going to admit it to yourself, especially not to other people, but it's there. But my point is, it, it still doesn't mean that it's correct. That's just what that is um so that's my point so yeah atheists can become religious in scary situations but they're still you know they're still wrong for doing it not wrong in a moral way just wrong is like no that's i mean you're still probably not going to heaven <laughs> That's, you know, that's, that's the other gut in me, which I had when I was religious, where I just reckoned it wasn't like a part of me knew that it was bullshit. This like, I got baptized, I was praying, like I, the whole shit, but I'm still asking these questions. And... There's a part of me that was like destined to just not believe in God at some point. Um, but 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 I can admit that I have both of those feelings in my body, where it's like large skepticism, but also um, like this emotional pull that makes me want to believe in karma and behaves like because of this tiny little feeling. I I can't help but to just think sometimes. Um, I do behave, not always, but for a, a good chunk of my life, I do behave in ways that that would give me good karma. And maybe there's some psychological merit to this. Maybe there actually is some realistic way of looking at this. Because when you behave, when you do good things, you feel good about yourself. When you feel good about yourself, you're generally more happy. And when you're happy, you're generally more confident. And when you're confident, good things happen to you. You get people pay attention to you. They want to get to know you more. You just become more charismatic. So karma, in a sense, is real if you look at it through a psychological lens. Where you do a good thing. Eventually, a good thing happens to you because of how you changed, how you rewired yourself from doing those good things, from feeling more good about yourself to being more happy because of it, to being more confident because of that, and to being more charismatic because of it. And now you have a great job or a beautiful spouse. So in that way, sure, karma is totally real. But some people think of it as bad thing equals bad, bad decision equals 
bad thing happened to you, something. Uh, I know they're not looking at it through the the step process where, yeah, you do a shitty thing, you cheat, or you, I don't know, murder somebody. Um, you lean more into that behavior, and those behaviors generally come with consequences. And the more you do a behavior, the more you're putting yourself in a scenario where a consequence could take place. So yeah, bad decision generally means bad thing happened to you. But it's not just like this and that. It's like, no, this and then that because of this and then that because of this. Like, okay, now bad thing happened to me. We've all been on both sides. But in my head, I'm not looking at it th that way. Like in my in my little subconscious brain. But it's not subconscious because I'm actually aware that it's taken place. In my in my head, it's more like uh like oh I I let's see like it's it's the kind of karma that is probably random. Like like what's a good like fuck like oh i know there's a good one i can't think of it but let's say i give a homeless person ten dollars i feel good about myself and then because of that uh the next day i get promoted at work that's like that's just random um None of the, like those were not correlations. No one knew you gave a homeless person ten dollars, and like nothing in the atmosphere caused your boss to be like, you know what, John deserves a five thousand dollar raise. Uh, that's not true. That's like that things like that don't correlate well. Um, where was I going with this? But in my head. The, the illogical piece of me sort of views life that way. And I know it's bullshit. I know it's not really happening. But I still can't help but to behave as if it does. And, and maybe this is a way of trying to be a better person. It's, just, it's my attempt at wanting to be good. And I'm looking for any reason to continue to be good. I still do shitty things. Not really to other people, but with myself, you know. We all, we all do that. We do, like self-sabotage type of stuff. We all hate ourselves, right? <laughs> but I don't know. I I have fun. Where was I going with this? Why did it? Why did it, why did it turn to this? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. But yeah, what I was saying is, yeah, no matter how secular you think you are, you're still going to be religious to an extent. You're gonna behave religiously in some way. If it's not you thinking karma. The way, you know, that, that silly explanation I gave. 
And it's not that, then it's you being ritualistic in your behavior. It's you joining some political movement with a set rule of values and you have someone that you rail against, aka the devil. <clears throat> but for some people, I don't know, like if you're super woke, uh, you could you could maybe think of white privilege as original sin. Uh, the way, you know, their version of it. Or if you're a right-winger, the devil is just anyone who's a lib. Just a lib. That's the devil right there. That That's where the country's going to shit. Because of the libs. You know, very black and white type of thinking. Um, both have some truth to it, I'm sure. But I don't want to get into that. Because that's boring talk. Not really. Not always. When it comes to political movements, I, I, I don't try to look at it through a political lens. I, I really, I feel like, I, I really do attempt to look at life through nature, human nature. You know, like why, like I'm not looking at Antifa or QAnon as these political ideologies. I'm looking at them more as a religious ideology. And a religious temperament is, in my belief, natural in everybody. So I guess I'm looking at it through more of a psychological viewpoint. <sighs> I'm sort of, sort of exhausted myself, if I'm being honest. My, my throat's looser, though. So I guess I was nervous at the beginning of the podcast. Because as a, I like, I'm, maybe it's because I don't talk this much. And my throat just, it, there's like, it's not, get, it doesn't get enough exercise. So it, it closes up. What if that's true? Holy fuck. If that is, I have a new life science topic to get into um interesting i'm gonna look into it might be bullshit but i'm gonna look into it um this is it's been a good podcast i like this i feel like my best ones are whenever i'm high that's kind of sad but i think it's true um Weed, weed helps. It really does. The cool thing about weed is if you if you are having these thoughts, if you if you if you're on a row, a roll, if you're on a roll, on a row, fuck, I don't I don't know what the which one it is. If if you're having this moment where you're like, oh man, I'm having all these new thoughts type of thing or new ways of expressing these thoughts. The cool thing with weed is that it does help, but also you still get to hang on to that, that way of thinking whenever you're sober. So if you feel like you had a good moment, a good epiphany on weed, it, it carries over. It's not like, oh, you were high. Or like people write it off, oh, it must have been a stupid idea because you're high, but you thought it was a good idea because you were high. But you can you can examine it 
pretty easily when you're sober and realize, no, that's actually, I would, I would look into that more. Um, you still get to keep those ideas when you're sober. That's what's cool about drugs. <laughs> if you have a really good feeling with somebody when you're taking Molly together, that feeling is going to carry on after it wears off. And it's a powerful feeling. It's a positive feeling. And a lot of therapists use it on couples because of that. You take Molly together, you're going to have a good experience together. And the kind that makes you open up and makes you vulnerable on both parties. And it's going to help patch up things in your relationship. And that is really cool. People are so stupid when it comes to the way they view drugs. It annoys the shit out of me. Even people like younger than me, my age, older than me, like it, it, it carries on this belief, like this blanket term drugs. And, you know, and not, you know, like associating meth with weed but not not alcohol or cigarettes it, that's annoying as fuck and another thing that's annoying is not uh lumping in cheeseburgers or your cell phone or pornography like not lumping those things as a drug if you're gonna throw a blanket term they should all be under that. And it helped it for me, it gives me more perspective on like, okay, like food can be a drug. It's a necessity. It's all like it's it can be well, it's for sure a necessity, but it can also be a drug. And with with something like weed, you can view it. I mean, it, it's definitely a drug, but you can also view it as a tool. Not all drugs are made equal. And I think that's the most annoying part of like how we're still, we still think like this and it's annoying. Obviously some drugs can ruin lives, but that's not on the drugs. You know, it's the same argument that conservatives give about guns, like the gun didn't kill all those kids. It was it was the deranged human. Okay, let's be consistent though, and say the same thing about meth or heroin. Obviously, maybe meth isn't a good one to argue to use as an example because that's probably the one drug I won't use. Let's say coke. Like our perception of cocaine is still sort of through this lens of like the dare community when you're in school, but you, you never actually read about it. You don't actually know what you think about it because you don't read up. Like it's, it, you just, it was this thing you were taught when you were a kid. And usually when you're taught things as a kid, you tend to hold on to them. Even if you don't espouse those beliefs, they're like just subconsciously in the back of your head. Like, even me bringing up cocaine as an example, 
I can, like, I already know the reaction it would give because of how I once thought about it. Um, but it's a good one because it, yes, it has harmed people. It's caused a lot of drug wars. Um, but it's not the boogeyman that a lot of people would think it is. I mean, what about Adderall? That's just prescribed methamphetamine. Um, just read about it. Fuck. If you want to have such a strong view on something, just go learn about it. And then come back to me. It, it, I don't, uh, there's just certain things that just... I'm, And I'm sure I sound like an idiot to a lot of people. And then calling them idiots or like implying it because you're not reading about something and and i need to be mindful that i'm i'm probably on the same boat in some areas in life that maybe i espouse too strong of an opinion on but i really don't know what i'm talking about i i try to be careful i've, I've gotten better at catching myself like, there's been moments where people ask me a question and as I, as I begin giving them an answer, I, I, uh, it starts off very strong, but as I keep talking and repeating the same things and sort of digressing, going in a different direction, I start realizing, oh, I don't actually know what I'm saying. And I, in my head, I sound like an idiot. Maybe I'm still captivating them. Maybe they're convinced that I know what I'm talking about. But I had this little moment with myself where, you know what? I'm going to stop talking. And if it's something I really think I should know more about, then I will go learn about it. But if I decide not to move forward and expanding my knowledge on this topic. I'm going to say I don't have an answer for you the next time someone asks. That This happened like three days ago, too. And like that thought's happening in my head. But the way it comes out when I'm giving the answer, I, I just tell them, I think I I'm, I'm, I hit my limit. I, I don't think I actually thought enough about this. So at this point, ignore me and uh, and kind of take what I just said with a grain of salt, grain of sand, whatever. Uh, so I do, I do catch myself more. And But I feel like in the drug category, I could definitely read more up on it just to, to really hone it in. Uh, Jordan Peterson gave a piece of good advice because he, he used to be a lecturer and he, I someone asked him about like how, like what's the best method for explaining something to somebody, something in that category. And his answer was always know 10 times more than what you're explaining. So if someone asks you about immigration or something. I don't want to have to go to a like like from his perspective as a lecturer, like people professors who 
who only know the, the source material, like just the bare minimum to teach a class, they resort often back to the book to try to explain themselves better. But if you know 10 times more um, than what you're explaining, then you're just going off of muscle memory. It's, it's just, you have it, it's there. And you know all the directions any of the questions can take you on the topic. And you're just, it's always going to be ready for you. And that's the best way to explain something is by actually knowing what you're talking about. And I mean, that sounds obvious to say it that way, but a lot of people don't really do it that way, including myself. But I thought that was a good piece of advice. And maybe like a good piece of advice for me to shut up too, if I feel like I just know, like I only know enough to give you an answer on that specific question, but I could not elaborate, especially if you asked a why question or like went like branched off into a different area because of my answer I just gave. If, if it gets to a point where I couldn't go deeper, then maybe I shouldn't have answered you in the first place. So it's, yeah, that's what I'm working on. I think, I think I'm in a good spot right now. This has been about an hour and I think it was pretty good. I, uh, I initially deleted the first recording before, like five minutes before doing this one, uh, because I thought it sucked, but looking back, I think I was right. I, this ended up being way better one and i have drugs to thank for that <coughs> kind of sucks my enthusiasm changes on drugs obviously i mean i'm just i'm just pointing out the obvious i do that a lot sometimes um but yeah i think this is a good stopping point uh i, I might have to go back and like I barely remember what I talked about. Religion, atheists not really being atheists, something like that. And drugs. More more so the term. That, whatever. But yeah, this, this is a good starting point. I uh I'll have a I'll have a title for this soon. And I'll get it out to ya. Maybe in the next hour or so. Cool. Thank you for listening. And if we're on YouTube, I would say like and hit that subscribe button but it's not gonna work this way i mean i guess i could tell you to subscribe and i guess i could tell you to give it a rating but um no i will not say that i will not say what i just said but yeah this has been good man i, I never know how to end these things good talking to you Good, good listening to me, but really I do have to end it because my limit's about to hit 30 minutes. So I got, uh, I'm about to have 10 seconds left. So I really, okay. Um, all right, cool. I've already had an ending many times. Okay. I really have to stop. Okay. Uh, bye. Thank you for listening. See you.